Welcome to another edition of Raider Golf. Great to have you on board. Last time we joined you, we are talking about the Masters. So a massive congratulations to Hideki Matsuyama for becoming the first Japanese player to win at Augusta. A tremendous effort and one uh, we certainly won't take away from him. The, uh, the best man undoubtedly won. So uh, that is one major down for the year as uh, we look forward to the next one, the, the PGA Championship. But in between, of course, we had uh, a plenty of events taking place on the Sunshine Tour, the European Tour, uh, the PGA Tour, all over the place. And with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Tyron Barnard. And Ty, you know, it goes without saying that very rarely has South African golf been in a more healthy position, given the successes that the players are enjoying throughout the world. Yeah, Derek, I mean, and, and if only, if only Louis had managed to find fairway instead of water, we could have beat the Aussies there as well mm. with, uh, with Shaw. And it could have been, I mean, if, if they had won that weekend, we would have had the double of uh, European and PGA Tour win for the first time since 2010, when uh, Ernie Els won the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I mean... Oh, it's just, it's so fantastic to be able to sit on a Sunday, watch a golf tournament and see South Africans on that first page of the leaderboard. And more often than not these days, right near the top. And it's, it, and Derek, the other great thing is, I mean, Dean Burmeister winning this, uh, winning this weekend, Gary Kehoe was only a couple of shots back until Dean ran away with it. But it's so great. There's not just one, there's two, there's three. And as we've seen, the six winners this year on the European and Challenge Tour together are six different names. How good is that for South African golf? Yeah, they're flying the flag so high, and it, it really is great to see. Another great thing about it is the fact that it opens the eyes of fans who aren't necessarily golf fans, and they realize, hey, hold on a sec. We've got so many South Africans doing well in the sport throughout the world. Why don't I... I just take a gander. And, and that's what's turning out to, to be the case. I've seen plenty of people over on social media saying, wow, South African golf is on fire. And it's not relatively new. Of course, South Africa's always been very, very strong at golf. We know this. But the more victories, the more titles that they collect along the way, the more fans they get in the process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we've, we've been a, a country that's, apart from America and maybe at times Australia can, can offer the most golfers in the top 20 in the world. You know, it's only America, England, South Africa who regularly have had two, three players in the top 10. Um, obviously we don't currently, but we've got nine in the top hundred. Dean is sitting just outside at 107. So we are a country that are, I feel like we are at the, the beginning of a really big resurgence and yeah, it's nine years since Ernie won the Open. Maybe, just maybe, we're entering that time that South Africans are going to start taking on the majors again. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm holding thumbs. We saw a beautiful documentary released the other day, courtesy of Richard Maspero and Supersport, called uh, Mastering Augusta. And that was in celebration of uh, Charles Schwartzel's uh, uh, victory at um, the Masters uh, 10 years ago. And uh, since then, Ernie, Ernie else uh, was the last man to, to lift aloft a major title. And uh, yeah, it's been a long time coming. So let's hold thumbs. And we'll certainly be rooting for one. Dean Burmester, hopefully he makes it over to the PGA Championship. And uh, 
luckily, we managed to to catch up with him and a, a great conversation was had. That's coming up a, a little later. Also coming up on the show, we, we move away from golf and we move over to the cricket field, but with a very strong golfing link. Ty, you remember James Taylor, the cricketer? Yeah, absolutely, Derek. He... Uh he uh, was, was actually, I mean, I remember watching him play a test series here in, in South Africa and uh, he was the most ridiculously good fielder I'd ever seen in my life. Like he could take catches that, uh, you know, as old school, we would say the catches that would win the matches. Yeah. And, and that's um, exactly what he did. Fielding at short leg. He, he was stupendous and uh, blew everyone's minds just uh, as the catches that he took. And I mean, to catch one of those catches that he did was amazing. And, and he did a, a couple in the space of one day. And now he is since he, he suffered a, a massive health scare and he had to quit the sport and moved over to golf. And can you believe it? In the space of uh, a couple of years, he managed to reach scratch. I mean, listen, that's, that's the dream. That's the dream. Um, but for many of us, that's all it will ever be is just a dream. And he's gone and made it a reality, which is just so cool. And since we last chatted, I've managed to play a few rounds. Um, uh, you and I actually were down in Durban to cover the Indoor Hockey Africa Cup. Uh, so that's on a different podcast. But um, while I was there, I did get to play uh, Mount Edgecombe, the woods. Um, and I shot an 86 there. So for those who are like, oh, that's pretty good, pretty bad. It's right about on average. Uh, I, sh- I play off a 14, so or a handicap index of 11 and a half. So 86, really, really nice golf course. Um, it was quite funny on the, the one par three. I remember looking at my bag and taking a nine iron, and I don't have a pitching wedge right now because I accidentally <laughs> broke it at Benoni Country Club in the previous round. With your knee. Uh, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Well, not, not with uh not with another person. It wasn't one of those videos. But um, uh, yeah, just so happened that something got in the way when I was swinging my club in midair and then it didn't like that. So uh, <laughs> Cobra, if you're listening, Cobra, I need a new shaft on my club. Um, but yeah, I, there was a whole day. So I grabbed my nana and I thought it might be a little bit long and I uh, completely shanked it into the road. And then I reloaded and uh, managed to... Uh, get a par with my reload so a nice double bogey and then a couple of days later a friend of ours told us guys I, I just did a sneaky round where I snuck out of work and playing the same course the same hole he got his first ever hole in one on yeah. that same hole um, it was quite cool because I just played it so I could remember it um, but obviously he couldn't tell anyone except um, those who he played with <laughs> yeah how, how much does that suck? Uh, I mean, I, I obviously know who you're talking about. And it was so funny when he told us. And he said, you just can't tell a single soul. And there it will remain uh, in uh, the confines of <laughs> deep into his, his phone in terms of the photo. But yeah, no one else knows except a few of us. And I, I think he'll eventually spill the beans sooner rather than later because he has to. Uh, what an achievement. But just get your first hole in one and uh, you've got to keep quiet about it. Yeah, look, I mean, I said he could do the Kevin Peterson and just reenact it completely. Um, but he said, <laughs> no, no, he won't. But I think he, he will at some point because he's too excited not to, and, and rightfully so. Um, so that that was the woods at Mount Edgecombe. Obviously, they have two courses. The other one I got to play was Umthali Country Club. Very, very nice. But uh, on the back nine, the wind picked up incredibly, Derek. Yes, it was. 
I mean, on the, the 18th, the 18th is a par three. I literally was facing 45 degrees away from the green. I hit it dead straight and I landed on the edge of the green. It was unreal wind at that point. <laughs> and, you know, I'm someone who hits the ball very high. I don't, I don't hit low shots. So the wind really holds my, my golf balls up quite a lot. Um, but yeah, that was great. And then, of course, uh, you know, the cherry on top was for my wife's birthday. My wife is an avid golfer. Mark Renwick uh, offered us a round at Whistling Thorn. Oh. And she got to experience it for the first time. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell everyone I broke 70 for the first time in my life. <laughs> it is a par three course, but uh, nothing wrong with that. 69 I shot. And uh, yeah, it was without a birdie. No birdies, but managed to stop all the double bogeys, which is is great. And what a cool what a cool experience it always is at Serengeti. Yeah, big thank you to Mark Renwick, a, a big friend of the show. And uh, listeners will remember the feature that we had on Serengeti and Whistling Thorn uh, when they held the, the Sunshine Tour event there. And remember how the pros struggled. I think, what was it? After, of the 52 that played, only 11 were under par. And of those, nine were only one under par. So... Yeah, I, I, I give yourself a massive pat on the back. I mean, breaking 70 on that is uh, is pretty impressive. Par three or no par three, really, really good going. Uh, I didn't yep. uh, get to play too much. I got to play Centurion, which I was really impressed with. And uh, we'll catch up with the GM of Centurion a little later, uh, Edwin Nell. But I was I was massively impressed with this uh, little piece of paradise over across the Yuxke, or pretty much on the Yuxke, given the fact that it's between Joburg and uh, Pretoria. And uh, a little course that I've been playing a, a bit, uh, you, you speak about Serengeti, Whistling Thorn. I've been playing just down the road. So I live in Bryanston. So just down the road, we've got uh, the campus, which is set in the middle of uh, the Dimension Data building. And it really is a, a chip and a pat course. It's a lot of fun. If you can just, uh, if you've got yourself 45 minutes or an hour to kill, and I quickly run down there. And you and I came up with an idea to have uh, the Campus Classic, the Raider Golf Campus Classic, which we're looking forward to. Should be a whole day affair. Um, we're going to invite some friends of Raider Golf to join us, and we're going to put on a show. But uh, highly, highly recommended, because you got to play there for the first time the other day. You and I played there yesterday, actually. Yeah, on Saturday yesterday. <laughs> um, and, yeah, look, it's just a lekker, lekker little challenge for the, the short game. Um, good opportunity to test that 60 degree, that gap wedge, and uh, the holes that offer you. Take it again. Holes that offer you a nice little challenge. Yeah, they, they really do. So a big thank you to everyone that has been involved in our golfing adventures over the last couple of weeks. But enough about us. Let's uh, head over to one of the biggest names in European golf at the moment, the one and only Dean Burmester. Hey, this is Thomas Sapp. Commission of the Sunshine Tour, and you're listening to Raider Golf with Derek and Ty. It's been an incredible couple of weeks. If you are a fan of South African golf, or just golf in general, and just having a look at uh, the recent results, Ty, over in the European Tour, um, first couple of events, a uh, couple of English flags, American flags, and then it hits South Africa, South Africa. And a little later, South Africa, South Africa. It's it's incredible to see. Yeah, and you couple that in with uh, the two challenge tour victories as well um, for Richie and Brandon Stone. And it really is a great time. I mean, and we were very, very close to having a PGA victory too when um, Louis and Charles lost in the playoffs. So as a, as a proud South African, as a, a proud South African golf fan, 
it really is a great time. I mean, Justin Harding, uh, Donny Fontonda, Gary Kicker, and Dean all winning uh, you know, in, in the past two months. It's so great to see our South African flag flying. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a few more SA wins before the end of the season. Yeah, I completely agree. Certainly a distinct possibility. Now, you mentioned Dean. Of course, we're referring to Dean Burmester. And we are honoured to have him on the line all the way uh, from uh, Spain, uh, the venue where he collected his second European Tour title a couple of days ago, the Tenerife Open. Dean, congratulations and welcome to the show. Hey guys, yeah, thanks for having me and uh, thanks for the congrats. Yeah, what a week it was, huh? Yeah, well, you, you can't just leave it at that. T- tell, us, tell us a bit more. Certainly <laughs> it was a, an emotional one for you, your second European yeah. Tour victory, your first uh, since the, the Twine Open uh, a couple of years back. Yeah. Yeah, uh, four years um, between the two wins. Uh, quite crazy, really. I didn't think it would uh, take that long after the Tawny Open to get another one. But, you know, that's just been the way it's done. And and, and I'm very glad. Obviously, you know, things have, things went my way last week. I, I played great the first day and then uh, the second day struggled through a little bit. But uh, my short game was hot and managed to grind out a three under. And then, um, yeah, on came the weekend and really just felt comfortable um, in a in a good headspace and and comfortable in my game, you know, felt like all the hard work I'd been putting in is, is finally paying off. So it was, it was just nice to get it over the line. Nine birdies in your final round, and in the yeah. end, a, a twenty five under score. But more importantly, five strokes clear of your nearest challenger. I mean, that's a that's a hiding in anyone's books. Yeah, I think um, you know the twenty open. I, I think. Going into the back nine as well, I had like a five or a six-shot lead. I, I think I like being comfortable coming in a Sunday in a back nine. I want to make sure that I'm I'm okay, and if I make a mistake, I'll be all right. So yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Um, you know, when I got off uh, off 13's green, I saw, geez, I got a four-shot lead. Um, you know, I didn't think I thought it would be a lot tighter than that, and I just kept putting my foot down to the floor and and yeah, walking down the last of the five-shot lead, and then to finish it off with a five-shot lead was was pretty spectacular. In uh, on the ninth, obviously we talk about your nine birdies, but yeah. you know there was a very important par that you got there, and it was a, a beautiful putt. Was that the moment where you kind of thought today's my day? Yeah, it's definitely where I got an inkling that 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 could happen. Um, you know, I, I played pretty flawless up to that point, and then uh, just pulled my tee shot a little left under a tree, and hit a great recovery shot onto the green. But the ninth has got an absolutely massive slope in the middle of it, and. Uh, Totally misjudged my first putt and left myself with like a 12-footer down the hill left to right. And um, as I took the putter back and struck it, you know, I, I looked up and it rolled right over the spot I was looking at and uh, went right into the heart of the hole. And I, I, honestly, I was almost in shock that, you know, under pressure because Kalos and had just made birdie um, right before me. And I knew, I knew I had to hit a good putt to give myself a chance um, and take the lead into the back nine. And... You know, when it rolled over my spot, I was almost in disbelief. I'd hit such a good putt. But like you say, I think that was the first moment where I thought, geez, okay, this this could really be my time. Yeah, and, and obviously it, it it turned out to be your time. And of course, it's also seen you jump up to 107 in the world rankings. Uh, yeah. I know you've been in the top 100 before. Is that is that the short-term goal, get back into the, the double figures in the ranking? Or, or yeah, what definitely, is the short-term uh, goal? Well, the, the PJ Championship cutoff date is uh, the end of this week, so I'm I'm right on the number at the moment. So short-term goal would be 
to try and play as well as I can this week and get into that PGA and, and head over to America. And that'll give, you know, I think it gives 10 South Africans in the field. So um, that's pretty amazing. You know, that will be will be a tenth of the field almost, you know, tenth of the top hundred in the world if I can get there. Um, quite an amazing stat. But uh, yeah, that's my that's my short term goal to get over there and, and join the rest of the boys. What what would need to happen and, this weekend, sorry, time, for you to get over to the PGA? Um, it's it's obviously un, you're unsure because, mm. you know, there's other tours and other tournaments going on, but I'm pretty sure, you know, Top twenty, top ten will definitely clinch it. Top twenty will give me a give me a good chance. But I, I could I could not need either of those things depending on who wins where. Um, I could need, you know, nothing. So it, it's just uh, I'm playing this week purely for that reason, and um, to obviously I'm playing well, so I might as well strike while the iron's hot. And, and you're playing well, on a course that that you know fairly well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've quite enjoyed it. Um, it's it's very similar to home. We've got Kukuyu grass. Um, has thatched into quite a lot of the fairways and around the greens. So uh, very comfortable on that. And, and obviously, I putted really well last week, so I'm, I'm looking forward to making a few more. Yeah, Dean. And, and I mean, it is one of those rare uh, circumstances where you play the, the same course two weeks in a row. Uh, obviously, yep. different Open. Uh, last week, the Tenerife Open. This week, uh, the Canary Islands Open. But, um, you know, how much how much do they change the course to to really make it tough for you guys or how much can they change the course well i think that's what makes um this golf course it lends itself to it the greens are, are really sloping and tricky so they only ne- really need to move some of the pins by two or three yards and it makes a massive difference to last week um so i, th- I think the rules officials will have a, have a good time trying to toughen it up i i know uh, when i walked off on sunday uh, one of the rules officials came to me and said, I tried to make that tough today and you just went and shot nine under and 25 mm-hmm. under. He says, next week's going to be different. So I'm sure you'll see a lot of fun <laughs> out there this week. And I mean, obviously, uh, you've said it, 10 South Africans potentially in the PGA Championship. I mean, that would be amazing. 10 South Africans in the top 100. Is there quite a good camaraderie between the South African guys on tour? Oh, definitely so. Um, you know, Sunday night, the amount of messages I got from from all the golfers, ranging from the Sunshine Tour all the way through to Louis and Charles and Ernie and Brandon Grace and everyone on the, in America. So, you know, there's a massive camaraderie between everyone, and, and we all try and pull each other through as much as we can. And I think that's just the way we grew up. I suppose school sport and team sport um, has helped has helped everyone. And I'd say we're all we're all mates, really. Everyone out here, so it's quite cool. Dean. The, uh, you speak about the majors, and uh, obviously the PGA Championship is uh, the next goal. You've you only partaken in one so far with the majors back in 2018. That was US Open. And, and what's it feeling like being able to compete in a major? And the one that you've competed in is notoriously and arguably uh, the toughest of the lot. Yeah, well, yeah, I've, I've, had, a, I've had actually a couple of chances there. I've, I've uh, played the US Open two years in a row. Which was quite cool. So yeah, it was it was nice to play um, my first one at Shinnecock Hills. Quite a quite a grueling test, honestly. I, w- I wasn't expecting that kind of thing, but managed to managed to play for four days. Um, and then um, yeah, the, the next one at Pebble Beach didn't go my way, but I actually didn't play too badly. But thoroughly enjoyed it. It's so different to to what we used to out in Europe and certainly in South Africa with regards to the crowds, um, how they treat you, setup of the golf courses. I mean, the U.S. Opens are, are brutal. Um, I know the PGA Championship can be a little kinder, so hopefully I'll, I'll feel a little bit more at home at that one. 
And uh, this time around going to Kiowa Island. Uh, that's an exciting destination. Yeah, um, all the boys have told me how beautiful it is there and, and um, how how tough it can be if the wind comes up. So, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's obviously quite windy, windy here on the islands and uh, I've seemed to play quite well on the wind. So hopefully, you know, that plays in my favour as well when I, when I head down there. Just uh, just chatting. I know we had uh, Brandon Stone on on the show a, a couple of weeks ago, and also his his writing recently as the playing editor for Complete Golfer about his yeah. crazy crazy travel schedule uh, last minute when he he got his US visa. Yeah. So the PGA Championship taking place from the the twentieth to the twenty third. So it's a couple of weeks away. How do things work now? So you play this weekend, and yeah, say you you, you manage to get in to to yet another major. Um, how does your life change suddenly? What what plans need to be set in place for you to get over to, to Kiowa Island? Yeah, well, I'm lucky enough to have my visa. Um, and the PGA Tour and the PGA Championship will will send you through waiver letters and things like that to help make life a little easier. Um, the main issue would basically be where do I go from here to get to America? Um, <laughs> obviously, I'd love my family, my wife and my son to be there with me. They haven't They haven't been to America or to a major before, so... This is a good opportunity to get them over. Um, so I, I, my choices are either to play next week in the British Masters um, and stay in the bubble and then go from there to America or possibly fly back to South Africa for four days, three or four days, fetch my family and then fly over to America and, and get ready. So, you know, there, there's quite a lot to think about, but mm. um, I suppose we can only cross that bridge come Sunday. Of course, Dean, uh, uh, Derek did bring it up, complete golfer. You are continuing a wonderful tradition that Gary Lemke and the boys are having there. They put a man yeah. on the cover. You were on the cover last month, championship winner yeah. this month. Uh, I have yeah. asked if they can put me on the cover, but they've said no no so far. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think I'm going to have to put in a few more few requests for more of the SA boys to get on that cover because the more wins, the merrier. <laughs> You know, funny enough, uh, Ty mentions the the complete golf. In fact, uh, Ty made your debut in the most recent edition as a, as a writer. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I uh, Gary Limka, is one of the editors, uh, approached me and and said, "Look, we're always looking to tell the story of other sportsmen who play golf. Would you be interested in taking the reins for a while?" I think Michael Christmas did it for a while. Gary himself yeah. did it. And uh, yeah, so I, I profiled Nick Spooner, one of the South African hockey players, and uh, we're busy working on Aidan Markham for, for the next edition. Oh, so that's yeah, pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, Aiden's a good boy. He's, a, he's very a, good friends with Brandon Stone. Yeah, good he is. Uh, we, we actually had them uh, on, a, on a show of ours not too long ago. We do a thing called the, we used to do called the Lockdown Sports Quiz Live, and we take two sports stars. You're definitely going to be in the future. And uh, it was Brandon and Aiden joining us. And in fact, last week, I played Centurion and Aiden was a, a couple of four balls ahead of me. Um, and then by the oh, end, nice. by the end, he was already packed up probably at home by the time I'd finished my round because he obviously shot in the, in the <laughs> 70s or 80s and I was in the, the deep 100s. Um, Dean, uh, as we wrap things up, just having a look, I mean, we spoke about yeah. your, your top 100 goal uh, in the world, but yeah. another big thing and an, another massive climb. I mean, if you, you scroll down the race to Dubai and you have jumped up a massive 76 positions and currently lie in 18th position, ironically, ahead yeah. of one Brandon Stone. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's quite it's quite weird looking at that. Um, but again, you know, that's that's another goal because if you can manage to stay in the top twenty of the current or end in the top twenty at the end of the year, that gives you more major chances and and world golf championship chances. So, you know, now that I'm 18th, my plan is to try and play as well as I can to stay there. Um, and like you say, you know, I think Garrick is just ahead of me, and Brandon Stone's there, and I think Justin's just behind us, Justin Harding. So. Loads of us all together in there, so it's quite cool. We're that, cramming up that top 20. Uh, it's lovely to see. Uh, we really love seeing the SA flag flying so high, particularly given the fact that we've uh, had to endure COVID restrictions over the last year. Uh, we haven't seen yeah. a lot of sport taking place. Uh, a lot of our teams, the Springboks, for instance, haven't even taken the field since winning the World Cup in 2019. And uh, it's great yeah. to see golf flying the flag so high. Another thing we haven't mentioned, and... I'm sure it must be a massive bonus, and certainly that <laughs> not uh, trying to put it put it away. But you're coming away with that winner's check to, um, over two hundred thousand euro. I mean, that must be great. Yeah, obviously, I think um, that uh, that settles a few things. Mm. puts a little puts a little cushion under you, and um, you know that helps knowing that you'll be financially secure for a, for a few years to come is is really cool. So. I'm, I'm chuffed to have done that. Uh, I'm sure the tax man will be after me at some point, and um, yeah, we'll just have to we'll, we'll pay the tax and carry on, I suppose. <laughs> uh, quickly, I know Ty is going to throw in a, a goodie just now, but I've I've got to ask. Yeah, no question that uh, the course that you just played at and uh, you're about to play again is uh, right up there with one of your best. But what have you experienced as the toughest course that you played on? Wow, toughest. Um, there, are, there are a few. I mean, since Mr. Rupert's redone Leopard Creek, I'm finding that really tough. I, I don't think I've made a cut there yet. So that's got to be up there. Um, and then when, when I went to the US Open at Shinnecock Hills, um, just the setup of everything. I mean, I think the cut was eight, eight over or nine over par. Um, so I think that, that kind of puts it into perspective. That was, that was pretty brutal. I, I definitely felt like I was a a junior playing off a two or three handicap again. So that was, that was pretty tough. And your favorite? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to oh. say that while well, you think about that, it, it must be tough to play off a two or three handicap. <laughs> <laughs> it depends who you're playing, I think, on a Wednesday. Don't want to be playing against an 18 or something because then you're just going to get smoked. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Uh, yeah, yeah fa- favorite course still has to be Leopard Creek. Um, just the setting where it is. You know, in South Africa, every time you go there, the condition, um, how you're treated, what you're able to do around there, it's second to none to anything else in the world. It, it's it's pretty amazing. I love that tie. His his toughest and his favorite are the same course. And it's a yeah. course that uh, you got to experience uh, towards the end of last year, Ty. Yeah, I got to play it for the first time ever in November last year as part of the Deltic uh, Challenge. We qualified for the final and uh, we came nice. second, which was pretty cool. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, look, who I, lost I the play, most balls? I, I actually only, it's unbelievable. I only lost one, but my playing partner yes. always lost about 13. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. do, do you know, is it the 13th, the 13th or the 14th, the one with the sleuth down the middle? And yeah, you, the 13th the, the, part, yeah. yeah. And, and the green is over, uh, basically over Kruger, over the Crocodile River. Yeah. So I had probably yeah, my best drive of the day. And literally, it it's bounced. It didn't run in. It bounced in the middle of the sleet. That was the one ball oh, I lost. 
I was like, yes, that's, that's a monster. And then I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. But, um, <laughs> you know, we, we like to wrap it off and just pick, uh, if you could pick a dream four ball for yourself, who would yeah. be on that four ball with you? So my dream four ball probably be Bobby Jones. Um, he'd be up there for sure. Uh, it's, it's hard not to say Tiger Woods. Um in that and then uh, obviously Ernie growing up you know watching Ernie it's Ernie's in there I've been fortunate enough to play with him um, hopefully one day I'll get to play with Tiger but Bobby Jones just everything he did in the game you know as an amateur he had no no aspirations to make money out of the game he just wanted to to win tournaments and, and grow the games it's quite remarkable so those would probably be my three just, and of yeah, course you, wouldn't, you, you wouldn't find many people disagreeing with that Ooh. It, it, it's it's a stellar lineup and just on that subject dean tiger woods uh, of course a lot of people wrote him yeah. off said he'd never get back onto the course again following that that horrific accident and uh, we all know yeah. the end of that story but images circulating from a couple of weeks ago he's looking fit and firing granted we don't know the exact extent of those injuries to yeah. his legs but could we see the great man on a course again competitively well I mean, he's probably the most determined human being to ever play the game of golf. Um, so I don't see why not. If if there's a will, he'll he'll definitely find a way. So um, you know, uh, a great friend of mine, Mark Kayu, had his car accident many years ago, and um, he managed to get back out on the course and on the Sunshine Tour. So I don't see why Tiger Woods can't do it. Um, I've, I mean, I know I know he's getting on and everything. Whether he'll get back to peak form, I suppose that's. That's out, out, um, out for debate. But, yeah, I think for the game of golf, we, we certainly hope so. Um, and certainly for the professional game of golf, um, we hope he gets back out there sooner rather than later. Yeah, no question. We're all with you. Certainly holding thumbs that we do get to see Tiger compete once again on uh, the beautiful fairways uh, across the world. Dean, finally, where, where do you call home these days? I know you, you're a man of a storied history, born in Zimbabwe, yeah. uh, currently in Spain, yeah. uh, looking to make your way over to the States, hopefully and compete uh, in yet another major. But where is your official residence? So I live uh, in Kingswood Golf Estate in George. Oh, I live lovely. down there. Um, yeah, which is which is lovely. Been there about three years now. Um, lucky enough to call Fancourt my practice facility. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, uh, that's a pretty exciting place. Um, to be living right now it's beautiful so very lucky no question i'm glad that i managed to throw that in there because uh, we've got uh, a yeah. property down in Neisner, and uh, so i spend a lot of oh, my nice. time down that side so when i am in the area and you've uh, managed to get two weeks off your very very busy schedule and you're down there i'd love to take you on and around as you hammer me uh eight and eight and seven <laughs> yeah shoot, shoot me shoot me a message no problem anytime oh man dean we're wishing you the Derek, best Derek yeah. plays off a 32 though so make sure it's not yeah, a wednesday I'll, I'll put him on the back <laughs> then we'll, we'll have to double that handicap uh dean it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure chatting to you listen uh, congratulations on on an extraordinary victory over in Spain. Uh, we wish you all the best for, for this weekend. And we're really, really hoping that you, you manage to crack the nod for the PGA Championship and go kick ass over in South Carolina. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Hi, this is Masazim from the European Tour. And you're listening to Ryder Golf with Derek and Tyron. 
Now, it wasn't too long ago when uh, I went over to the Wanderers Cricket Stadium and I uh, settled myself in. I actually brought a friend of mine who was watching Test Cricket for the first time and South Africa were playing England. It was the third day, if I'm not mistaken, of the third Test at the Bull Ring and South Africa very, very much in contention. And, uh, of course, the two great rivals going head-to-head. And in the space of a couple of overs, it was pretty much all over. Um, however, so South Africa losing three wickets. And of course, I am talking cricket at the moment. So apologies, but you'll hear why shortly. So South Africa lose a, a couple of wickets fairly early, but not to worry because Hashimamla comes to the crease, the rock, a man who uh, South Africa has depended on many, many times in the past. But uh, he was soon sent packing. Stuart brought the bowler, but... The more impressive part of the dismissal was a phenomenal catch uh, taken at short leg by one James Taylor. So we think, okay, it's a, it's a once-off. South Africa will fight back. Two wickets later, they five down. It was a few overs later. Dane Villas sent uh, packing. Stephen Finn, the bowler, but the man fielding once again, James Taylor, again at short leg. Two blinders of a dismissal. If you take one of those in your lifetime, you'd be happy. But uh, to take them at two in the same innings of uh, one match is phenomenal. England going on to win the Test match and the series. And I'm enjoined by that man in question because uh, the cricket side of things didn't quite work out, but he has moved over to the golf side of things. But I'm going to focus first on cricket. James Taylor, welcome to the show. Firstly, talk us through that performance and uh, how are your feelings like over at the Bullring on that third day? A mesmerizing third day. <laughs> thanks a lot. First and foremost, thanks a lot for having me on, Derek. Uh, great to be on your show and podcast. Uh, yeah, that just touching on that moment, like you said, that was honestly the best moment of my life. Uh, my <laughs> wife won't like me saying that, um, but it honestly was uh, the best moment of my life, especially in my sporting career. Those those moments, that adrenaline that goes through your body, when you take that catch and then you wait for a split second to hear the crowd to really finalise that moment that it just happened uh, was, yeah, it was electric. Uh, like I said, the best moment of my life. Uh, and it was a brilliant series because we were the underdogs going into that series. And mm. To, to beat South Africa, who I think were number one in the world at the time, or there and thereabouts, and we were probably three or four, uh, was a special moment. And it was actually one of my last on the cricket field as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it certainly was. Uh, I mean, you, you speak about crowds, and it sounds so strange to say the word crowds in this day and age. You think, oh, what yeah. are those? Uh, but I remember the silence that befell mm. the bullring, and, and you know, as a player, I know as a spectator, uh, how how noisy that stadium can be. And it is very much like, they call it the bull ring. It's, it's very much like a, a cathedral. The fans are, are, are right on top of you. But there was silence, obviously, amongst the, the English, uh, the, the South African fans, but uh, the Barmy Army were, were loud and proud. But those two catches, uh, it was almost, we were dumbfounded. And uh, also, was that, I'm trying to recall, was that the image of Stuart Broad also looking dumbfounded, although he has done it a couple of times, absolutely mesmerized yeah. by the catches. Uh, and I know it's hard to describe you were the man doing it, but uh, how do you describe that, those, those moments, those split second moments where you took those catches? It's one of those things and people listening, uh, golf fans can relate and especially golf enthusiasts can relate to all the hard work that you put in and then it comes off on the field or on the golf course. And that was exactly what happened previously. I'd worked so hard on my technique in short leg. Yes, it's reactive and instinctive, but there isn't a large element of technique in there. And I've been working so hard on it in the build up 
uh, to the game and then for it to come off so quickly after you've been working so hard on it was almost more satisfying and it rarely happens so quickly like that. Uh, so it was a brilliant feeling and like you say, it kind of turned the momentum of the game and uh, and away from home to give the Barmy Army something to cheer about. Unfortunately, for your sake, to silence the South African crowd, but it was a brilliant moment for me. No, it, it certainly was, and uh, without a doubt, the best team won. South Africa fought back in the fourth test uh, at Centurion, but by then, it was all done and dusted as England came uh, to, to win the series. So you speak about the greatest moments of your life, and unfortunately, it wasn't uh, too long later where, where you I, I could imagine you experienced uh, arguably the, the worst moments of your life. Yeah, exactly. Without a doubt, uh, on a field in Cambridge, first game of the season. After that series, I actually probably took the longest time off in my career. I probably took uh, 10 days off, two weeks. Um, and then I went straight into the English cricket season. And I, to cut a long story short, I won't go into it. Um, but I, I effectively had a cardiac arrest on the field. Um, so I should have died there. Uh, oh. The majority of my conditions are found in post-mortem. So 80% or 80 odd percent of my uh, conditions are, if they present, are found in post-mortem. So I was very fortunate to survive what I did. Uh, but luckily, like I said, I'm still here um, and lead, leading a good life. And especially, and this is why I'm here, to talk about golf and on your golf podcast. Uh, golf has, has changed my life. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't the best moment, like I said, when my career ended. Uh, after being at the top of my field and working so hard to get there, um, that was incredibly hard to take. But it's so important when you do have a massive setback in your life to, to reset and find something that invigorates you, that challenges you and something to learn as well. And that's certainly what golf did for me. Yeah, well, the tweet that piqued my interest and, and thank you very much for agreeing to this interview because this was literally set up in, in the space of about an hour. <laughs> uh, and, and you tweeted this a, a couple of hours ago saying, four and a half years ago, I set a goal to reach scratch. After my diagnosis, golf was the only sport I could play and is the only sport I'll ever be able to play competitively. Golf has changed my life, become my exercise, my release, and my physical challenge. Time to set a new goal. So now your handicap index is 0 .3, 0 .3, uh, scratch. And I can imagine with that setback. So as a professional sportsman, cricket is your life. You set everything towards that, and then you get told you can no longer compete. I can imagine that is a massive blow. Not imagine, 100% that would be a massive blow. How do you completely do a 180 and focus on something else, and then you find golf? Uh, how, how did that transition come about? Firstly, how, how tough was it to accept that cricket and pretty much most other sports uh, you had to say goodbye to? And secondly, to say, okay, this is something that I'm going to focus on. Was it a, a sport that you... You did play in the past. That we all know cricketers are, are generally very good golfers, but was it just a, a fun pastime, or, or did you actually take it fa fairly seriously even back then? Um, no, I wish I wish I had taken up <laughs> because I would like to know where I I would be now. But honestly, I, I obviously as a kid, as a baby, um, finding balls. Um, with my dad while she was on the golf course yes but I never played it um so I, I literally picked it up from scratch I'll tell you how the story went when I was in hospital the guy the doctor told me my life was over as I knew it I couldn't do this um I couldn't do that uh, but he goes oh but it's fine you can play golf and I was like golf not a chance I'm playing golf that's an old man's sport and um and I was like I've stood in a field long enough I don't need to stand in another field um and hit a ball uh, just like I was in cricket but this time in golf 
Uh, cricket is either love golf or hate golf. And I, I didn't enjoy it at the time. Uh, and I, I didn't play it at all. Um, so, but my wife encouraged me to play it and take it up. And thankfully um, I did. I couldn't play golf. So I had a major heart surgery in June uh, and I had a defibrillator inserted in my chest and, um, and I couldn't move my arm above my shoulder for the first three months. So after that kind of settled in, and my uh, operation had settled down, my defib was settled into my chest. I then took it up in about October uh, 2016. Um, so ever since then, I've been properly hooked. It was funny because I first went on the driving range and thought, oh my God. And so obviously hitting off mats, I was like, oh my God, this is so easy. I'm going to be a pro in no time. <laughs> and then I got on the golf course and I was so embarrassed because I'm like, I'm a professional sportsman here. I should be hitting this where I want. I'm used to hitting a ball. So this should be easy. This is a stationary ball. Um, but it wasn't that simple as everybody that plays golf knows. I was so embarrassed. I refused to play with anybody for the first three or four months being the typical competitive sportsman that I am. Um, and would only play the same course because I, that's the course I knew. Uh, and then gradually I had a few lessons and I got a little bit better. Um, so that's where the journey started. And I, I've been hooked ever since. Yeah, I, I'm very much in the same boat because I've always, I've always loved golf, watching it. Uh, playing it, I never got into it. And it wasn't through lack of trying. I think I messed around a, a couple of times, but I, I just thought, no, this, this isn't for me. And, and funny enough, the... The lockdown um, in in South Africa, they were, they were pretty strict on on our, uh, our curfew, etc. And uh, I used to play a lot of squash, and the lockdown pr- uh, prevented that from happening. And then finally, they opened up golf courses. So I thought, well, it's pretty much the only sport I can play. Let me get into it. And and unlike you, I, I haven't really improved. I, I'm still pretty rubbish. But it does <laughs> it, it does upset me though how I failed, I refused to get into it from a younger age. I've got a, a five-year-old daughter and I'm trying my best to try to get her into it. Don't make the same mistakes I do. Look, she couldn't care less. She hates the sport and she's a five-year-old girl. So it's kind of understandable, but it is frustrating. And you think all those lost years uh, where you could have been on the course, just improving your game, improving your game, getting better and better. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I was, I, I, in a way, I'm, I'm disappointed, like you say, that I didn't pick it up from when I was younger. So I had a head start to, to where I am now. But I, I'm kind of glad in a way because it's completely fresh start. It's a completely new sport um, that I can challenge myself, learn a new technique, learn a completely new game. So I, I'm glad in that way. But equally, at the same time, I'll be very intrigued to see where I would be now had I had the head start of playing previously. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, I, I could uh, be be upset with myself because I am rubbish. Uh, but you playing with scratch, <laughs> and you've you've improved <laughs> immeasurably over the the course of four and a half, four and a half years. Um, and and how ha- have you taken to it uh, in terms of of clubs uh, that you play with? Um, also courses. I, I know from my experience, everything is is very much an adventure. Uh, playing a new course, um, learning things as you go along, uh, how to play this, how to play that. Uh, have you gone into it like a, a wide-eyed kid? Yeah, totally. And I, I'm one of them, even with my cricket. There, there's lots of crossovers, but it's, at the same time, it's a completely different game. But the crossovers I've learned is, is how I learned cricket and the skills that I can transfer and the mental side of it really helps me with golf and getting over setbacks as well. Because obviously in cricket, 
you play a rubber shot in golf, you play a rubber shot. So you have to get mm. over it very quickly to move on to the next one because that's so important. So the mindset is very similar. Uh, but like I said, it's a completely new game. Um, cricket, everything's bent arms, leaning into the ball. Golf, it's kind of the complete reverse. Um, and like different clubs, like I could literally absorb golf all day. I, I love it that much. I could watch golf all day. I could listen because I'm desperate to learn and just get better. Um, I've been very lucky that Ping sought me out with my golf club. So that is a massive help. Um, so I get my golf club sorted. Uh, I love learning about the balls and how that can help my game. Uh, <laughs> I love playing different courses because there's different challenges to every course. Um, so I'm a proper golf geek. Uh, but like I said, it's a, it's a one thing that I can do. So that's my excuse why I'm a golf tragic. <laughs> but it is brilliant. Have you read Ricky Ponting's biography? I haven't. Uh, no, I, I haven't. But I know he's a good. I know he's a good golfer. Uh, like I said, cricketers. We travel the world. We have the opportunities to play some great golf courses, and cricketers either love it or hate it. And there's some very good cricketers uh, that are de- decent golf golfers as well. Yeah, I swear, Ricky Ponting's biography. You'd almost be confused whether it's a, a cricketing biography or a golfing biography because he speaks about it so so much and, and exactly like you said he he just wants to talk about golf the entire time just wants to learn about new clubs the balls etc and yeah. so you're not completely uh, removed from cricket uh, you are in the administrative side of things and i think you've actually had a, a brand new role um come yeah. upon a, a head scout if i'm not mistaken yeah so i, I was a selector and um that was brilliant and I absolutely love the roles that I'm I'm doing and I love being involved in cricket because obviously once I had uh, once I should have died ultimately so then my like my next life my new body I wanted to do something one I only wanted to do things I'd enjoy uh, and I only wanted to do things that I could have an impact in and I obviously knew and and could have a really positive impact so I stayed in cricket I worked in the media for two years for Sky BBC and uh, BT Sport and, and I did a bit of writing as well. And then I, I got asked to be England selector, which was brilliant. We got to one number one in the world in both white ball T20s and ODIs and uh, went up the rankings in test cricket and then obviously won the World Cup. So we did really well with selections. Selections changed now in England. So there's only one um, head selector, which mm. is now the head coach, Chris Silwood. And I've moved into uh, being a head scout. So um that's yeah, loving it. Obviously, new to it's a new, it's a very similar role, but it's a it's a new position as head scout. So that's uh, I'm really looking forward to. Obviously, I've been doing it now for a couple of weeks, and I love being involved with the ECB, um, and it, it's good fun. So exciting summer ahead. Yeah, congratulations on the appointment. And time wise, uh, from a, a player's perspective to administrative perspective, uh, how much free time have you had to, to get on the course? <laughs> that's the thing like so it sounds like i'm on the course all the time but obviously uh, my number one job and my number one priority is is trying to make england cricket better and what what capacity i can do that in. and obviously as a head scout my sole job is to watch a lot of cricket um and i love that it's what i know and every single time there's a game of cricket i'm generally either at it or watching it on my computers because technology these days i don't miss a ball i, I can get every single ball that's going on mm. around the crown Uh, county circuit and the domestic circuit so it's very full-on but if you want something uh and you enjoy it enough you'll find the time um so sometimes that means me getting up at 5 30 a.m to go for a quick nine holes finish at 9 30 and then go for a two-hour drive 
or nine o'clock, shall I say, uh, go for a two hour drive to get to a county ground and be there for the start of play. So I try and uh, and it's my exercise. Like I said, it's my release mentally um, from from things. And it, it, you have to have your own time in your day as well. And I, I try and create time for one exercise walking around the course uh, because that's my one way of exercising. I, with my heart condition, I can't exercise too vigorously. So golf is perfect for that. Just walking. So I try and create time to one walk, uh, and that's a good excuse to to get out and and play some golf early early in the morning or late at night. And we're very fortunate in England; it doesn't get dark till almost ten o'clock. Mm. So after cricket is finished, I can then pop and play nine holes as well. Uh, so I do create time. Like I said, if you want to do something enough, you'll find time. So in the four and a half years, you literally went from a guy who had never picked up a golf club to scratch. Uh, it, it's an amazing story. What was the toughest challenge for you from a golfing perspective getting to 0.3? Um, I think, like I said, technic earlier, technically it's – so I've got the natural hand-eye and I'm used to hitting a moving ball, which is totally different to hitting mm. stationary ball. It sounds funny, um, but that that is totally different. So – Technically, I'm always my technique by is no way perfect. It's, it's decent, it's effective, like my cricket technique. It was it wasn't pretty, but it was efficient. My golf technique is actually a bit more prettier than my my cricket technique. Um, but I because of my hand eye coordination, I generally save it. So if my hips are too um, if my hips fire too fast, I can save it with my hands. But generally. I want to get good enough that I can repeat and it it be a very simple and efficient technique. So the technical side is probably the hardest thing to get my head around. And just learning a completely new sport uh, has been really interesting because it's a technique that I did not know anything about. Uh, so every single time I have a lesson, which I try and have a lesson about once every six weeks or so. Uh, and every time I do have a lesson, I'm learning new things constantly, whether it be my takeaway uh, whether it be the downswing, whether it be the top of the swing, it's it's a con. It's my technique's constantly evolving, and I love learning a new sport. And any way that can make me better, uh, I will try and uh, try and look into. Like for example, I love it that much, and the lockdown over here gave me the, the opportunity to convert my garage into a home swing room. Wow. So I've got my own indoor simulator at home which has really helped me understand my swing even better because after every time I swing in there, I get a video of my swing for seven seconds come up on the screen so I can see what I'm doing. Uh, and I get all the data that comes up on the screen. Uh, so, yeah, that's how much I love the game. <laughs> that, that, that is amazing. And uh, you see, I mean, it's a perfect lesson for people out there because yeah. we're talking to a scratch golfer who's still going for lessons every six weeks. Uh, I I. Uh, floated the idea the other day and some of my playing partners said don't be crazy you uh, you still rubbish but you went for lessons back when you started I said no, I've got to get better that's the only way yeah. that I possibly can where would you say is your strength what's your strongest aspect of your golf game um I think I'm, I'm a big believer in it doesn't matter how it's how many and even if I've banged one way right way left I will reset and I will just find a way to go, isn't this going to be a better par or better birdie um, than just hitting it down the middle and just making it easy because it's not that easy um, in reality. So it, probably the mental side of things, every aspect of my game can always get better. Um, I hit it a decent way, especially for my size because I'm only small um, and, and that certainly helps. But each, my, my general game is pretty decent. Um, 
when my my good days when my putting's on as everybody it's that's when I score my lowest um so I, I think I generally need a good tidy up of all my game to get lower and the most exciting thing for me at the minute I spoke to my coach I, I do have a coach as well that I can speak to whenever I want I would just drop him videos so even though I'm having a lesson every six weeks I will speak to him on a regular basis to touch base with him um and tell him how I'm going um, but what I, what excites me about my golf game is that even though I'm where I'm at now, like scratch, I could be so like, like it's definitely not where it needs to be um, to where I want to be. Like my swing is pretty ropey still. All areas of my game need to improve a lot to where I want to get to. So, yeah, that's what that's what excites me. It's like in cricket. I was most pleased with myself when I played poorly, but I scored runs. Yeah. Um, so that's basically where my game's at. It needs a lot of improvement still. Well, I, I can imagine as a, a former professional sportsman being a scratch golfer now, do you harbor thoughts of becoming a professional golfer? I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to do that, but I'm not arrogant enough to think that I can re- compete with the big boys uh, and slash not naive enough because I, I know I'm I'm not good enough right now. And also... If I was to do that, I would lose a lot of money because <laughs> I I can't fund myself going around the world or try and even just get in any events because I wouldn't make any rewards for anybody. Um, so I'm not, yeah, I'm not naive enough to think I can compete with those guys. I, I would love to go as far as I can in golf, but ultimately I need my day job to uh, fund my life uh, and make money. Um, so, and this is what I know. Cricket is what I know and it's what I love. And that will always come first. But I think it's important that you do challenge yourself in other areas and um, have a release away from the the main part of your life and obviously the main part of my life is cricket and that's my number one job which I love and I try and make a difference at but also it's important in life to have a bit of time for yourself and that's where golf comes into but I would, having said that I would love to go as far as I can and just in amateur competitions and stuff like that. I, I can imagine that you must be quite a highly in-demand player uh, for, for, for various tournaments uh, to, to, to be on the tee box. And you must have come across some interesting characters along the way that you played with, uh, fairly well-known names. Uh, who stands out for you? Oh, I, well, Eddie Pepperell's just messaged me uh, just to say well done on social media. Um, and I, I, was, I had a, did a mini little podcast with Tommy Fleetwood. Oh. Um, but no, like, good God, I played with Matt Wallace. So yeah. I haven't, because I'm new to it, and the golfers are so busy and I'm busy. I actually, yes, of course, I've bumped into some well-known names on the golf course and stuff like that. But I haven't actually played with too many like phenomenal. Matt Wallace is probably the standout. And I, I hope I'm not missing some others. I'm sure I am. But <laughs> uh, Matt Wallace is probably the one. Uh, he was. He got up to number 25 in the world. He's, uh, he's obviously a phenomenal player. Uh, I, I just appreciate watching good golfers. And mm. like I said to you, I always try and learn off them. Um, but my, I do, do you know what I love most about golfers? I love those golfers like Jordan Spieth. One is an amazing, lovely bloke, but it doesn't matter how it's how many, and he's not perfect, but he gets the job done. And I I love watching golf like that, uh, and following players, uh, like that. Yeah. That, that leads me to my next question. I, I don't know if you've answered it, but who, who is your favorite player to watch? So I might be a little bit controversial here, but I love, so obviously Tiger's number one. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because Tiger's a legend and he's been around for 25 years in the golfing world it, since, well, yeah, I was watching a program last night, 25 years of Tiger. 
Um, but so he's like number one. And it's amazing because I read his book not knowing anything about him. So in the last two years ago, I read his book and I didn't know anything about it. I knew, obviously, how much of a legend he was in the golfing industry, but I didn't know like when he won, how much he won uh, and what a legend he really is. So he would be my number one. Uh, but Bryson DeChambeau, I love. And I think I love Bryson because I think people dislike him. And I, I struggle with that, <laughs> struggle with he- people hating on Bryson, who's only trying to get better. I understand he won't be everybody's cup of tea, but don't have a go at somebody that's just trying to evolve their game and get better and try and win more that's where I struggle with it so I love Bryson uh, and it's I think it's good for the game because again not everybody should be the same it'd be very boring if people were robots and exactly the same so that's why I like Bryson and also Jordan Spieth and now he's had his resurgence like I've said a couple of times it doesn't matter how it's how many and Jordan's lovely guy great to watch uh, and he gets the job done, generally. Yeah, I'm 100% in your camp. I just think he is just phenomenal for the game. Uh, whether you like him or not, uh, what he does for golf worldwide is just sensational. It brings a whole new level of fan into the mix, and it just grows the game uh, throughout the world. So, yeah, I, I'm completely in the the, the pro Bryson DeChambeau camp. I, I've got to ask uh, South African players, any ones that stand out for you? I, I, I was just about to say, so you've got some belting players at the minute. Uh, mm. But uh, I like Bezaden Hout and oh, I mean, you've got numbers like uh, Stone, but the one guy I would love, everybody says this a million times, I'm sure, in your program, um, Louis Ustase. And oh my God, if I could swing like him, that would be, that would be lovely. So I would take his swing over a lot. And, and, and he's a beauty of a person too. Absolutely sure. a lovely character. I don't know if you've ever caught uh, any of his videos soon after majors. It's usually on a flight back from somewhere and oh, he's pouring okay. a brandy and coke uh, in the back of a plane and uh, he's busy shouting at the pilot. So, uh, and the, funny enough, the last video that popped out, Charles Schwatzel was actually piloting yeah. the plane and Louis was screaming to him in Afrikaans, ah, oh, you're not allowed to drink, but I am. Enjoy, your, <laughs> enjoy the flight, uh, obviously in Afrikaans. Uh, and yeah. uh, favorite course? favorite course so like royal melbourne i've played a couple of times that's a good course and it's funny because as my golf evolves and i get a better more knowledgeable player i appreciate the good course like i can remember when i first played royal melbourne i'd only been playing 18 months and i played all right but i was like this is meant to be one of the best courses in the world i'm expecting mountains waterfalls like really picturesque golf course but it's obviously not like that but it's a beautiful beautiful golf course and the second time i played it was like six months ago uh, or no probably just over a year ago before the pandemic and i appreciated it a lot more but there's a course in portugal called monterey yeah uh, and it's a beautiful like, that is a phenomenal uh, jack nicholas course um and he designed it they're designing another one and i know the head pro there that's a beautiful uh exclusive place uh and that yeah that'd be right up there wentworth in england is obviously up there but there's so many good courses i was just over your place like leper's creek i didn't play so this is when i was a, a cricketer so the boys got flown all the testing got flown in a private jet to go and play Leopards Creek by Johan Rupert. Yeah. And I didn't play golf. So I was one of three that said, no, 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 I'm good. Thank <sighs> you. I just lie by the pool. <laughs> this oh. is after that test match you're talking about. No. Um, yeah. That was after that test match. So I just done what we'd done and we won. And I had a few drinks that night and all the boys went and played Leopards Creek flown in a private jet. And I'm going, oh, I'm all right. Thanks. I don't play golf. I sat by the pool. Wow. So, yeah. so so you haven't played it since or you haven't played it full stop? 
No, I haven't played it full stop. I've I've been fortunate enough to play some good uh, courses. Um, well, Pearl Valley this time uh, in Cape Town. Yeah. Uh, Steenberg, uh, we played quite a few times this time um, at Christmas. Uh, so I've played a few courses in South Africa. Jeez. Yeah. So you, you skipped the opportunity to play Leopard I Creek and you're now it. a scratch golfer. That is, that is an amazing story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, please, uh, whenever you're back, uh, we'll definitely make it happen. Uh, funny enough, we we're actually chatting to Dean Burmes a little earlier, who recently won yeah. on the European tour. And, and he was saying that the toughest course that he's played is Leopard Creek. And then we said, okay, cool. What's your best course? And he said, Leopard Creek. <laughs> it, it really is a, a once in a, it's a once in a lifetime experience. It, it really is a must do. It's a bucket list course, um, obviously. And, and your, what would be, who would be your dream four ball aside from you? Wow. That is, that is a big shout. I mean, Tiger Woods, obviously Tiger Woods would have to be, I mean, there's not many people that I would like be a bit gobsmacked to meet and, uh, yeah, but he would be right up there. Um, what a what a man to play with uh, and just watch play for. Uh, then I think somebody like I'm going to go left field. So I am a big uh, I respect uh, professional athletes that dedicate themselves to their profession. Yeah, and I I'm, I'll stick to sportsmen because that's what I know. Um, Johnny Wilkinson. Oh. See, I grew up and obviously when England. Um, won the World Cup and he did what he did. Mm. Um, that drop goal. So Johnny Wilkinson would have to be up there. He he practiced, he's one about Johnny Wilkinson. So I, so I played with Sir Clive Woodward not long ago. Yeah, and um, he obviously the great manager that won that World Cup, the great coach of England rugby team that won the World Cup, Sir Clive Woodward. And he said Johnny Wilkinson, all he does he just practices golf and he <sighs> doesn't play. So he just he just practices apparently. Uh, I might have got that wrong, but I'm pretty sure he said he just practices on the golf course. Uh, I can e- uh, I can easily imagine. And, well, if you think about play. it, he's probably oh, so he doesn't he doesn't play at all. No, he doesn't play much like, <sighs> at all, if anything. Because yeah. I mean, he was famous for for being an absolute dedicated soldier when it came to practice and they said that i think it was even christmas day you'd find johnny uh, kicking for poles kicking for poles kicking for poles yeah uh, see that's what i love and i mm. respect that because you're doing things when other people that classic when other people aren't and you're finding that edge over your opposition and i respect that that's why i love johnny wilkinson so much um and i was i'll be worried these are probably the worst answers you've ever had on this no but they're I, fantastic you, you surprised me you've surprised me um and like just thinking like on that like i said tiger was golf bryson dechambeau I, I mean i like him as a bloke as well he's different and i would love to just see him and hear the sound of the ball off his club uh, so i would i'll be very boring and stick to golf and a bit of rugby no, i'd say Ty, tiger and bryson and they get on well that, so that, it'll, be, it'll be easy. That, that is a perfect formula. Yeah. I, I think that's great. Yeah. And, and, you know, you speak about size-wise, and, and, and you mentioned, I mean, you're not the, the biggest of guys. Bryson <laughs> underwent this incredible transformation to, to yeah. bulk up and, and hit the ball as far as he can. You say you're pretty long off the tee. Does it give you um, a bit of oomph w- when you get to a tee box and, and you're up against a guy who's over six foot and, and you drive the ball further than him? Yeah, see, like... I guess I'd be have deceptive power in cricket. A lot of my power came from my hips and my speed of my hips. Um, and yeah, yeah, obviously that it gives you that little ego um, pump up, doesn't it? That you need every now and then. But what I get, I get incredibly stiff from golf because I can't, uh, I can't do many exercises. So I don't. So I literally, I'm trying to swing as hard as I can. And 
obviously my muscles need to be stronger and more developed than they are now because they're wasting away because I, I barely do any exercise. So I've got to be careful because I get so stiff. Uh, and then the harder I swing, the shorter my swing gets as well because I get really stiff. So then the ball's spraying everywhere. So I've got to be careful uh, with how hard I try and swing. Um, but yeah, I'm, for my size, pound for pound, I, I get it out there all right. Jeez, congratulations. I'm a, I'm a f- fairly big bloke. I think I'm about 6'2", and I, I'm a, the most pathetic driver you've ever seen. Oh, jeez, it's embarrassing. That, hence why I, I need to keep on going for I'm lessons. Sure because, no, I promise you, it's, it's bad. Yeah. It's very bad. And, and just going back to Tiger, do you, uh, given his, his recent, um, uh, the, the sad incident that that's mm. probably ended his career, and I say probably because everyone wrote him off, and suddenly there's images appearing on social media where he looks to be fit and firing, albeit on crutches. Um, I, I can imagine you, apart from his history, you of all people must certainly be rooting for him, given almost his career mirrors yours in a way, in that suddenly I things wish, are just... I wish. <laughs> I, I wish. I, I, okay, granted... Um, yeah. Not not to such an extent in terms of his success, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, suddenly where your career just cut short immediately and you've managed to to rise up from the ashes, so to speak. Surely, you know, we're all yeah. rooting for Tiger to do the exact same thing. Yeah, and without doubt, you need that determination, that resilience, and he's got that in abundance. Uh, he's shown that in the past, whether it be injuries or his other stuff off the field when everybody thought he was wrote off and people had written him off. Uh, but that was honestly one of the best things I've ever um, I've ever seen. Was it at the Tour Championship at um, I don't know where it was when he won his first? Um, wow, when was it? First time back, and it was basically it was the crowd where they were. It was like the Pied Piper going down the streets. It was um, all the yes. crowd following him behind him, like tens of thousands of people just following up to up to the green and uh that was phenomenal to see that was one that gave me and people it was 2018 2018 shot a final round 71 yeah and people bang on about goosebumps and i'm like come on you haven't really got goosebumps but honestly that time i got goosebumps watching it on tv um and the moments like that stick with you and like when he won the uh, Augusta, the last the last time he won at Augusta, mm. that was phenomenal. The comeback, what he's been through. And golf is now better than they've ever been. They've got more things in their favor, like all the data that they've got, all the knowledge of their swing that they've got uh, now compared to what they, uh, they, they did have. Guys are just more competitive, I believe. And there's far many more in that ca- category that can win every single tournament. So to come back and continue to evolve yourself like Taigu has and evolve his game to compete with these young guys now is incredible. So to see what he did at Augusta was, was just amazing to see. Did you watch the highly publicized ESPN documentary about him? You know what? I still haven't. I don't know whether we, it's probably because we have, we, it's not readily available yeah. uh, over here, but I've, I've seen what documentaries I can of Tiger, but I would definitely try and get my hands on that. I've heard about it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm in two minds. I actually didn't, I, I enjoyed it from an eye opening perspective, but I do feel that it downplayed his golfing achievements and more focused on on the scandals of the past. Yeah, and, and that's so often the way some people yeah. work and want, want to betray others. Mm. Um, and, I mean, each their own, but, I mean, totally, I, 
I kind of separate them. And I know a lot of people won't and lose respect for certain things that people do. And that is totally fair enough. But I, I, as a sportsman, I, I couldn't respect him anymore and pump him up anymore for what he's achieved. Yeah, I uh, completely agree. Finally, we spoke about uh, the favourite golf courses that you have played. Uh, what's your, your bucket list course? Uh, you can't l- use Leopard Creek. <laughs> My bucket. I mean, well, one that I you have to have serious connections. I can't believe Mike Tyndall, who came on your podcast not long ago, has played Augusta. That I'm so. I'm actually playing with him in a few weeks at the Belfry. Oh. Um, well, uh, and he's played uh, it a few times, eh? Oh yeah, I played. I play that a lot. To be fair, I play Belfry probably once a month. No, no, a, I'm saying Mike. Oh, Mike's, Mike's played Augusta, Augusta a few times. Yeah. God, don't try and compare the Belfry to Augusta. <laughs> but I mean, if you talk, um, if you're going to play with them, that's a perfect man for connections. God. Yeah, but like you need a member, and I don't have too many connections. Only being in the game for four years at Augusta. <laughs> um, but yeah, that would I would have to say that. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say Leopards Creek. Um, I don't. I'm just trying to think. America. I mean, I just need to go to America to play golf. There are that many good golf courses in America. Um, I just need to go for a two-week trip out there, I get a pass from my wife and go for a two-week trip in America to play some golf. Um, there are so many good courses out there. Yeah, they're, they're seriously behind. Of course, not taking anything away from South Africa. We're also very, very blessed this side. And and again, uh, when you're ever back in town, please give us a shout-out. And uh, we'll, uh, I'm not as connected as Mike Tyndall, but I'm sure I can get you a spot or two at uh, some really, really <laughs> fancy spots. So please uh, don't hesitate to ask. I would absolutely love that. Thank you. Any excuse to play some good golf courses. Thank you. Oh, and uh, and I'll, I'll be sure to, to try and join you along the way. James Taylor, it's, it's been amazing chatting to you. And I can't believe how well this worked out. And for the listeners out there, you'd probably think, I know I, I spoke about it earlier, but, ah, oh, geez, these things are planned well in advance. Literally, I saw your tweet and I thought, man, this would be the perfect guy to get on. I love going left field, <laughs> not just focusing on golfers. And and like I said, those catches that you took at uh, at short leg, it blew my mind that time, and uh, it was just—it blew my mind seeing that zero point three as your handicap index, uh, and and it's been great to have you on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, uh, Derek. You take care and keep up the great work. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much, James. Travel safe. Uh, enjoy uh, the plenty of golf that you have in your future, and we hope to see you this time uh, down the side uh, in soon. Thank you very much. Cheers. I'm Yaku Prinsler. And you're listening to Raider Golf with Derek and Tyron. So, Ty and I are very privileged to be able to play a hell of a lot of golf. Uh, we're not really good at it. Well, I certainly am not. But, uh, yeah, we get to travel the country far and wide. A lot of it, obviously, is karting-based, given the fact that both of us live in karting. And, uh, Ty, one course that I got to play uh, a couple of days ago was uh, Centurion <coughs> Country Club. It was... A fantastic place. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Have you managed to play there? I haven't played there, but I have, uh, after you and the boys were telling me about it, I did go have a look at pictures of it. And I mean, what struck me straight away was obviously one hole more than any other. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to tell you anymore because uh, we brought on the line the GM of Centurion Country Club, Edwin Nell, who, who very kindly uh, treated us last week to... A fantastic day out uh, at their very, very gr- uh, nice course. And, and I'll tell you what, really underrated because uh, people rave about it. But uh, I think it's a, it's a bit of a hidden secret, Edwin. Congratulations on, on putting up a, a really nice place. Uh, 
Derek, thank you very much. Um, we just strive to give our members the best course to play on, and uh, we really enjoy our, our club that we have here and all our members. Tell us, tell us a bit more about the club. Uh, w- when did it start, and yeah, how many members? Uh, I, I don't think you need to grow because it, it looks pretty spectacular as is. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we have six hundred and fifty nine uh, golf members, but then because we're a golf estate, uh, all eight hundred and seventy three houses in here. Owners are also the whole families are also social members at at our club. So uh, if you put the two together, it's quite a bit of members that we have here, and uh, we we started in nineteen ninety seven. Uh, and uh, bought the club over from uh, the developer three years later in 2000, and from 2000 the club is running, has been run through the homeowners, not through the homeowners, the, the the president of the club and the management team uh, of the homeowners runs the club, and then we we as workers are just here to manage the club for them. Yeah, well, you do a really good dra- job. Now, Ty alluded to one of the holes, uh, and I forget which it is. It's uh, obviously on the back nine, but that that island green, which is surrounded by nothing but water. Uh, that's the 17. Uh, that's our signature hole from Makovic. Uh, a proper good hole. Um, people just see water, and they forget where the green is, and they all go into the water, but it's uh, as, as a, a proper golfer. Yeah, that- yeah. I was going to say that, uh, you know, obviously as a big fan of the TPC and obviously because uh, the TPC's played at Sawgrass over the years, everybody has dreamed of playing the TPC 17. But, uh, you know, we don't really have to go that far away. We don't have to travel all the way. You've got an equivalent with the Centurion Country Club 17. Um, yes, Tyron, you're 100% right. Uh, if, you, if you even look at our 18 hole, please, uh, with Stuart McLean, uh, had something out about top 25 holes in the country and our 18 hole were one of them. Uh, it's a very good finishing hole. Um, it's got water left, water right. Um, you must really come play around here so I can take you around and so you can see it's also a, a good golf hole. Oh, no, I'm putting I'm putting that in the diary for for very soon. I, I did <laughs> want to ask you. I mean, obviously, when you look at pictures, there's a lot of water on the course, but uh, you actually are described more as a parklands course. Uh, you know, is, is that a fair summary of the course? That it's almost a mix of parklands and and swimming pools. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, you you cross water a couple of times, about four, five, six times. Uh, and there's a lot of water left, but uh, we we're well known as a Parkland course. Um, uh, I must say, Stuart was here about two weeks ago for the top hundred rating again, because we were rated 77 last year. We came down from 83rd to 77, and he also told me that it's the best condition you see in the course ever. So we're really happy about that. I mean, that, that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I know uh, the guys that played spoke very highly of it. Uh, in terms of staff size that work on the course, how, how big is the staff that uh, helps you, you maintain uh, the course? Uh, uh, 
the staff on the course are 24 uh, and has been done by surveys. So it's all the their staff members. We just got a contract with them. And then at the clubhouse, we're standing on 45 people running the clubhouse, the food and beverage, the golf, all of that kind of stuff. You spoke about the the kudos that you got from Stuart McLean when you popped around there a, a couple of weeks ago. And there's no doubt that that certainly has impacted a lot more players. And I actually spoke about it early in the show when I was teeing off. Uh, a couple of four balls ahead of me was Aidan Markram. So I, I can imagine you, you attract fairly high-profile clients because you put up a very good offering. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, look, Aidan is uh, one of our ambassador members. Uh, his, his mom works here. She does our financials in the office. Uh, Aiden and Chris Morris are our ambassador members. Then we also have people like Dan Chisard, Dan Stone, Joel Clayswake, and Kim Williams that works in our place of. Uh, that's members of us. And they, a lot of people come because they see them play here and they all want to play here as well. But it's not, that's not the only reason. The reason is for it's a good proper course. Yeah, I, I take my hats off to you. I was blown away by how, how great it was. And like I said, I, I really think it's a it's a hidden gem because, of course, people know about it. And as you said, it's uh, cracked the top 70 now. But, uh, well, I, I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. So, so congratulations, Edwin. And I think it's only fair that I don't just get to experience it. Uh, Ty obviously will, but uh, how about uh, we throw out a four ball to our listeners? We will give a four ball to any listener to go, that doesn't need to play here or wants to come play here. Uh, I'll come that four ball for, for you guys. Thank you very much, Edwin. We'll, we'll sort out the details of the competition, but yeah, keep on doing what you're doing and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Edwin Nell from Centurion Country Club. So we're giving away a four ball to what really is a, a great course and you, you really don't want to miss it. So if you are in the area, or even if you're not, it, it's worth making the trip up. We'll post the details on all our social media channels and you can enter via there. That uh, about wraps up the show. Uh, a great show and one that I thoroughly enjoyed. How was that conversation, Ty? I know that uh, you couldn't take part in it, but you did get to hear it uh, with uh, James Taylor. Yeah, just what a, what an inspiration. And, and I mean, Derek, how many people do you meet that basically can say, yeah, 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 I turned down Leopard Creek because I really wasn't interested. Oh, now I play off a scratch. <laughs> and, and you, of course, have played Leopard Creek, so you understand. I haven't. Uh, I'm in the other camp. I'm in James's camp. So having played it, you can tell us exactly what a missed opportunity that was. Derek, it, f- for me... You know, you dream often about these things. And uh, yeah, it's exactly, exactly what you dream of. It is uh, like just the history, the tradition, it all is just seeping through the pores there. It's, it's classy. And, and also it's, it's a place where, you know, you can't just rock up and play. So there's that uh, elitism that uh, some people will hate, but. Yeah, me as a traditionalist, I absolutely love it. Yeah, well, uh, I promise you it's going to be on my bucket list. Hopefully, 
I can go and play it with James Taylor. Who knows what a story that will be. Thanks for joining us as always on Raider Golf. Another episode done and dusted. We'll see you out on the fairways, the greens and the bunkers. Cheers.